Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot No, I just be listening to pods Yeah, one in particular I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? The divisional round of the playoffs wrapped up yesterday, and we are moving on to the conference finals. Just two more games left coming up this Sunday before we start moving into. Pro Bowl and Super Bowl weekend. It was a lot of fun. I thought all of the games uh, this weekend, while some of them not as high scoring uh, as one, were all very good NFL games. It was it was fun to watch. Uh, if you were in some of the fantasy ones, maybe not as much as I don't think a lot of the games went the way we thought they were going to go. But all in all, really good football games. We've got a ton of NFL news as well. We will get to, we'll jump and do that at the end of the podcast. We'll break down the games first, but it is Monday. So I've got Mr. Matthew Fox with me here to break down these games. Matt, how was your weekend and how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, my wife was back this weekend, so there was a lot of, wait, football's on again. Uh, that was going on. Uh, but managed to squeeze in uh, watching at least uh, a portion of all of the games. Uh, and, yeah, definitely some some interesting matchups. You know, uh, ones did not definitely did not go the way I was thinking. Um, was not great for, for our playoff competitions, especially when we get down to the end, the weekly competition that uh, you and me and Dennis have been doing. Uh, maybe I should have put more time into that thinking about that lineup on Thursday because I scored about half the amount that I scored in week one and went from having a pretty good lead to uh, being way behind you. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I kind of guessed a lot on that one. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. I think uh, I'm doing really good, obviously. I've, I've, I've talked about this when we did our playoff stuff, that I'm in a couple of different ones where you have to, like, pick. Uh, I'm in a, the NFL ones. They do their NFL playoff challenge where you kind of pick and you that aggregates the points throughout the thing. So, you know, if you pick somebody and they make it to the Super Bowl, you're getting times four points in the Super Bowl. Uh, so I went very heavily in on the Packers. That's kind of been the team I've been all in on. That's working for me so far. Definitely a tough matchup this weekend. As as uh, I mean, if you guys didn't watch and you're just now finding out the Packers did win, uh, but yeah, they it, it's it's, yeah. it's been working out for me so far. But it, it's gonna be interesting. I, I didn't even really think about in hours, which is gonna be interesting as well because we we've said you can only pick one person per team. Uh, when we get down to that last game, it's going to make it very interesting Super Bowl wise if we used up all of the uh, the last players in there because I have not I've yet to use. Uh, I've been thinking about that. That's I've been I yeah. thought about that since you mentioned it. So I protected an entire half of the bracket. So no matter gotcha. who for the Super Bowl. So I started I going in on the thing, AFC so. and I left the NFC alone after because uh, yep. I went with Jackson week one. And I thought Baltimore was going to lose. And when Baltimore won, I wasn't entirely confident that they wouldn't beat the Bills. So I decided I'm I'm just going to start blowing my AFC quarterbacks and not touch the NFC until I get to the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I've kind of left alone. I used a... I used one Saint player, but I and I've used one Buck. I think it was Godwin this week, but I haven't really used uh-huh. any Buccaneers, and I haven't done any Packers. Uh, so that will let me tell you, me and Dennis playing Michael Thomas. What a week to get him well, out on the field! Just a man. magnificent performance. Anybody, anybody could have expected that. Uh, we're talking about the game, so let's just let's just go ahead and jump into them, and we'll start right there with the Packers. That was the very first game on Saturday. They pulled off the win 32-18. Not as lopsided as I thought it was going to be. And I know it doesn't sound like it's lopsided there, but I watched, for the most part, that entire game with with my home Dynasty League. Uh, We we tend to get together every year uh, for... A set of games during the the divisional round or wild card round. We call it our owners meetings, and and this was the game we kind of all gathered in for. And uh, the Packers kind of dominated this game. They they yeah. really again the the score sounds closer than in my opinion it really was. I, I did not really think the Rams were ever really in it. Uh, but Akers does continue to have a good game. He's had a really solid second half of the season. He gets ninety yards and a touchdown. Uh, what's got your biggest thing here? For the Rams, you know, I think the biggest comments we can lean on right now and what might possibly happen here is just the other day, Sean McVay came out and said everybody is under the microscope. That includes their quarterback, Jerry yep. Goff. Yeah, and the Rams, to some extent, are probably going to be doing some starting over in the coaching ranks, too. Obviously, uh, we'll talk about it a little later, but their defensive coordinator moved on as a head coach. Looks like their offensive, their top offensive coach is likely to go. Um, as well, you know, we'll see, uh, probably some additional changes. I thought this game would be lower scoring and would be close. Um, it didn't go the way I expected in two senses. First, the Rams offense, I thought was more productive than I thought, especially with Cooper cup, not being able to take the field, you know, Goff played a little bit better than I expected. Akers looked, uh, good. The Rams have struggled, uh, or the Packers have struggled against stopping the run more than stopping the pass throughout this season. So it made sense they'd lean on Acres, but I thought Goff 
actually played decently well. The Rams came in, the way this was really billed was the number one offense in the Packers versus the number one defense in the Rams. And we saw that defense carry the Rams down the stretch and really carry them in that wild card playoff game. And their defense looked shot. I, I mean, if they were trying to take away one of the big three, it failed. Aaron Rodgers threw for two touchdowns, ran for one. Adams caught nine passes for 66 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Jones went for 99 and a touchdown. All of the Packers stars really got it going. And once you saw that happening, you figured the way the Rams have played all season, there was no chance they're keeping up in a track meet. They're just not built that way. So I'll be curious to see if they can keep that defense going. It seemed like they had really found something with defense and running. I like what we saw from Cam Akers. He would probably be one of my highest – uh, buys if you can among the the 2020 rookies going into the offseason because he got off to a little bit of a slow start was kind of in that committee kind of got buried but we saw him really start emerging toward the end of the season and I think it's safe to say he's a lot better and fits a lot better than either Henderson or Brown yeah I mean that's that's gonna be the fun thing because you know everybody when Akers was having that game against the Packers was like oh it's like someone thought that this guy was better than Henderson the entire time and a lot of people did and you know we talked about it a lot throughout this year and and I know I mentioned it a bunch of times and I really do wonder if this was a big thing about it we all saw Henderson last year who we thought was going to be the guy in this offense never really got going and we all couldn't really figure it out and, and I kept pointing out I wonder if it's just you hear from all of these Rams players, other coaches, everything, how complicated McVay's offense is. Toward the end of the year, we saw Henderson come on, and then this year he's really been the guy. We all I talked about it, and, and I know you and Dennis even mentioned it. We all thought maybe it's just that this offense is so complicated they wanted to give the ball to a guy like Henderson because especially Akers had no real offseason. And then once the, the, the bye week came and then Akers really kind of started to take off, maybe that has something to do with it. Akers definitely looks like he's going to be the guy moving forward. You know, Goff is obviously going to be the big one. If if they end up moving on from him, do they bring in a veteran? Do they try and go for a rookie? And, and what does that do for this offense? Because I do think they've got a really good core around him, like Robert Woods a lot, like Cooper Cup a lot. You know, Tyler Higby at times showed he could be a really good tight end, and Gerald Everett is going to be a restricted free agent going in the offseason. If they don't bring him back, you know, they've got a lot of really good – and they drafted a tight end that we never really saw. Yeah, um, um, I know he was a really good rookie, and now I cannot get Hopkins, his name. Bryson Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, there we go, out of Purdue. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, so, a really good tight end, too. So and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. kind of came on in this playoff game. You know, a guy who we're waiting to see if he picks it up. Josh Reynolds has been there. They have pieces. Yeah. Goff, Goff is a – is a real struggle for me because at times he looks utterly lost and sometimes he looks just fine. He wasn't the reason they lost this game, but he probably isn't the reason you win a game like this either. And that's the real problem. Yeah. I'm not a, I, I hate to, I'm just curious with golf. We, we've seen a huge drop off from him from really that first year that McVay got there. And a lot of the talk that I've heard is that McVay has just not been able to, Make it as uh, Goff is one of those guys where he has to have everything. Like he's not a bad quarterback, but when it comes to what he does pre-snap, post-snap, it kind of has to be explained out for him. That's why they do some of the things that they do to make it easier for him. Like, hey, this is where you throw so on and so forth. Now, I don't know. I'm not there in the building. I'm not at practice. So I don't know how true that is. I just kind of go based off what other people are saying on that. 
And and McVeigh does for for whatever reason, there just seems to be some kind of golf has not been able to put together that season the past couple of years that he has there. But he's definitely going to be the huge key there. I think the Rams are set up for success. Number one defense this year, although they did lose a key piece of that, which we'll talk about at the end. Um, and and their defensive coordinator leaving, how much should he have to do with that? Because you know Wade Phillips was a highly regarded defensive coordinator for a long time. Did not really have this defense at least playing the way that he had that defense playing this year. They were widely considered the number one defense, at least coming into the playoffs. So definitely going to be some interesting things to see uh, here with this Rams team. Uh, but I thought overall uh, a really good season for them and, and definitely some things to build off of going into next year for Green Bay. Rodgers just continues to be hot, throws two touchdowns, runs for one. Adams, nine for 66 and one. And then Aaron Jones, 99 yards and a touchdown as well. The Packers offense rolled the best defense in this one. That was kind of the big thing. Now huge. They're getting to go up in a rematch now against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose defense was the reason that the Packers were kind of shut down the last two times these teams played. Uh, what are your thoughts on this offense uh, on a roll trying to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's going to be another tough challenge. Obviously, if you were watching the game last night, Tampa Bay's defense has uh, quite a bit of talent too. A little under the under the radar, but you know Todd Bowles was a great defensive coordinator before he became the Jets head coach, and he's been a good defensive coordinator again. They have some good young pieces, especially in the secondary. It's can you you know, you know, there's no mystery to what the Packers are going to try to do. They're going to get the ball to Devonte Adams. They're going to hope for some big plays with Aaron Jones and they're going to trust Aaron Rodgers to make the right decision. It's, can you stop it? And we thought, you know, Jalen Ramsey would have something to say. Adams nine for 66 in a touchdown, maybe not his greatest game, but a, a pretty decent performance from a lead receiver. Aaron Jones rolled for 99 yards in a touchdown, had a couple of big runs bursting right through that Rams front. You know, we saw last night the Buccaneers had had the, the top rush defense. They at times had trouble bottling up Alvin Kamara. So you would imagine that that the Green Bay Packers are watching that too. Green Bay has, I think we would both agree at this point in time, a demonstrably better quarterback than what the Saints offered last night. Uh, you know, so unless Tampa Bay can get some of those turnovers, it's going to be a tough game, but it's tough to count out. Uh, the offense that they're going to go against uh, either, you know, Green Bay's defense, I thought stepped up and they were okay, but they weren't spectacular. Um, the elements could play, uh, you know, a role for some in Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady is obviously used to playing in crappy snow weather. Uh, he played in Boston for 20 years. So yeah, I think the biggest thing I did not realize until they were talking about that this is the first time in his career and Rodgers gets to host an NFC championship game. I think that's pretty huge. Yeah, they've always seemed to get knocked out in this round right here. That was honestly my biggest fear when uh, – so we obviously talked a lot about this because none of us picked the Rams to beat Seattle. And most, or you picked the the Bucks to beat Washington. I had picked yeah. Washington to win, so I looked at it as – in my opinion, it was either going to be Washington or Tampa Bay going on to play Green Bay this weekend. And so I was very worried about that. Then when they got the Rams, I was like, oh, man. As we Well, you were not here, but me and you were able to talk about before in, in our group chat and everything. Like That's a really tough matchup for them with that defense going up there. And they were definitely able to handle it. Definitely looks like a completely different Green Bay team than we've seen under Mike McCarthy up there. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, the interesting part about that is, too, I don't think Brady's ever been to Lambeau. 
So this really sets up a – I saw someone talking about on Twitter the other day that he's never actually played Green Bay in Green Bay. So not hmm. that that matters because, as you pointed out, he played in, in New England, so he has the, the cold weather experience. It's not like he's never played in a cold weather game. Mike Evans, I don't know, has him. It's been forever since Tampa Bay has been into the playoffs. But sticking on the Green Bay side here, yeah, the offense was phenomenal. They looked really good. Uh, obviously, this was big for them to get this win, uh, continue playing. I don't think that – I think going up against Tampa Bay, while you're obviously in the the conference finals here, or the, the championship, you're in the NFC championship game. I shouldn't say the conference final. The, the NFC championship game – I think you feel a little bit better going up against Tampa Bay's defense. They don't scare me as much as as the Rams' defense does, especially with what you just mentioned, what the, what New Orleans was able to do against them. While their weapons altogether may be better, uh, I, I think what you have in Aaron Rodgers is definitely uh, more deadlier than what New Orleans had, especially with the way Breeze has looked coming down to the end there. So Green Bay... Looking good right now. I think I'm running on all cylinders should be uh, should be a really good matchup. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. And, and Green Bay, I think, is coming in feeling good and and definitely looks like, in my opinion, the best overall team right now. Not just in the NFC, uh, but in the playoffs. The yeah. Saturday. It looks like the Patriots and the Packers met at Lambeau Field on November 30th, 2014. 2014. 2014 was that seven years ago? But that's it. It looks like they've only played each other three times. Interesting, which is kind of uh, interesting. Um, but it, he has played at least one okay. game at Lambeau Field. Uh, so the Saturday night game uh, was the one, the game that we were all hoping to be a really good game, and it, <laughs> the one that I called be the highest scoring game of the weekend. And I think, you know, in all honesty, I think it was a very good game. Uh, you know, the final score is not indicative of how close it really was up until the end with the Bills winning 17-2-3. We'll start with Baltimore's side here. Tucker misses two field goals. Lamar Jackson does end up getting a concussion in this one. The Ravens offense struggled here. I think that mostly has to go to major props to Leslie Frazier and this Buffalo Bills defense with what he's been able to do this year. Uh, but what can we expect from the Baltimore Ravens in 2021? Uh, Ingram was a healthy scratch again in this one, I think really leaning towards something we've mentioned all year long that he is likely not with the team this year. Uh, but Gus Edwards has looked really good last year, really good this year, will be a free agent. I think he's someone that could have some very in intriguing dynasty value depending on where he possibly goes in free agency. Yeah, and I think depending on what kind of a contract he's looking for, I wouldn't be completely surprised if Baltimore tried to bring him back. I like J.K. Dobbins. I think he's the better of the running backs there. He will, should be the lead guy. Baltimore does not seem like a team that's given any indication that they're a one running back team. And Edwards does a few different things. It's probably more of a you know pounder. Um, and I think they do want that probably as a compliment to their weapons. The other thing I've seen talked about a lot, even before the playoff game is they need a number one receiver. Uh, Marquise Brown is okay at times for what he is. I don't think he's that true. Number one, they don't have the greatest receiving core around him. Andrews is a great tight end, um, but it's the rare tight end. It's the Travis Kelsey that can be your true number one receiver from that position. I don't think Andrews is really that. That is probably something they're missing. You know, when Josh Allen got into a pinch, he was able to go to Stephon Diggs and know that Stephon Diggs was going to make a play for him. Who 
I'm not saying Jackson is the greatest passer, but uh, he might. I don't think we're ever going to know his true potential as a passing quarterback until they get a better passing offense around him. Yeah, and, and I mean the one thing I will say for at least. Um, my God, why his name just jumped out of my, in my head? Hollywood Brown, he's looked better here in the second half yeah. of the season. Uh, but I'm, I think they he's not a bad player. I just don't, I don't think he's Stefan Diggs. I don't think he's going no, to be yeah. Stephon Diggs. That's he's more like say. a John Brown. He he needs that like high end possession receiver that is going to help him, which is who me and Dennis thought Miles Boykin was going to be for him. And he just hasn't been. And in, in, in all honesty, Des Bryant was kind of that guy toward the end of the year. We actually thought, like, it actually looked like Des Bryant was very good for that offense. There's a lot of those guys in this draft. I'll be curious if they go for him. Uh, I do think you take some, you know, positives away from how him and, and Hollywood Brown have definitely been able to connect. And Baltimore, as we talked about coming into this game, was definitely the hottest offense coming into this game, the way they'd kind of really peaked in the second half. And that's one of those teams you always have to be careful of. You know, there's a lot of people who are starting to pick them to make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC because of how good they looked. And then they ran up against that defense. And one of the things that I talked about on Friday and, and one of the key things I think that defense was able to be as good as they were Saturday was they get that in in Josh Allen. And then they talked about it. They played in Isaiah McKenzie playing the Lamar Jackson role when they go up against that defense. They they get to see that firsthand on a daily basis when they practice because Josh Allen, while not as athletic as Lamar Jackson, does a lot of the same things. And let's just be honest, a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So when you're getting that in, in your defense every day, it does help you, I think, prepare uh, for what you're going up against with Baltimore you know, it, it sucks. I, I do. I, we talked about it a little bit last week. I, I am still happy that they got that win. Uh, I, I don't really think it was a monkey on his back like everybody else was making it out to be that he got a playoff win. But I, I am glad that they got that. You know, I did not think they were going to beat Buffalo because I just think Buffalo is the better team all around. Baltimore definitely needs to improve on some things. And, you know, I, I've said it, and it's something we saw a little bit in that game. Lamar is still not the passer he needs to be to, to beat teams at that level. He's getting better every single year. I don't think you can doubt that at all. Uh, but, you know, outside of what we saw last year, I think we saw at times this year, he still needs to improve on that. And, and it's something that I hope he continues to improve on because the kid is amazing. I, I think someone put it out on Twitter, and I can't remember who it is, but I agree with them 100%. Like, you can not like at times what Lamar Jackson does, or you can be a rival of him and not like, you know, him playing against you. But if you don't like the kid, there's just something wrong with you. And I agree with that 100%. Like as a Browns fan, it's very hard for me to root for him and the Ratbirds at times. But as a person, Lamar Jackson is one of the greats. Like, and, and I hope nothing but success for him. And I, I really do hope that they get it figured out. And you're right about how close this game was. They were going in for a score. If he if he doesn't get picked off there, if he's able to find a receiver, maybe it's 10-10 when he gets knocked out. And it's, you know, or does he even get knocked out? Because it seemed like they had to take some chances. But you get that brutal interception, then almost uh, not very long after that, he gets knocked out with a concussion. And I forgot that McSorley and Griffin were still gone. So when they put in... Huntley, I thought he he made a dynamic showing to get them down there to make it exciting at the end. But there was I, – I don't know that there was anyone in this country, uh, including Huntley's mother, who thought they were coming back when that happened. I mean, that was just kind of an unfortunate way for a really competitive game to uh, to end. Yeah, like I said, that's what – 
I mean, that obviously changed the game completely right there. I was watching it. I was uh, lucky enough. My wife set up a, a surprise party for me. So I was finding ways to sneak in watching the Bills game. Because surprise. We were not You're not watching a, yeah, we were we were not at a, a sports bar per se. We, we, we did go to a, a nice establishment uh, that had a TV up, but we ended up sitting up on the roof of this place and drinking a little bit with a bunch of friends. And I, I did happen to piss off some of the people that were there because I pulled out my phone and put up YouTube TV and happened to catch the good part of the fourth quarter. I, I did catch that part and got very excited because I, I really do like the Bills this year. I, they're my hope to at least make the Super Bowl so, um, because I, I just want to see him play. What's uh, Obviously, your, your other uh, crush is Justin Herbert. A little bit yes. disappointed that Brian Dable not going to go because the, what they've done with this Bills offense and the growth we've seen with Allen and the passing weapons has been pretty impressive. Yes, yes and no. And uh, we can save that for the Chargers because they do have a head coach now. Um, and and I, I, we'll talk about that when we get there. But yes and no. I mean, I love Allen too. I have a lot of shares of Allen. So yeah. part of me is very – the fact that the Bills, with everything they've done with Leslie Frazier on the defense and Dable on the offense, and they're keeping all of them. Like, nobody tried to come in there and hire either uh, one of those unless, guys, really. Unless the Eagles do something, too. It's the Eagles. They're going to end up hiring Adam Gase, more than likely. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, Actually, no, did you yes, see? I did. Right I did. Right I did. I did. And I'm glad I don't have. I wouldn't I, wish that on my worst enemy, but yeah. you're welcome to have him in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, not even that. Did you see the rumors of where Adam Gase may be going? And I'm glad I don't have very many shares into that offense because as bad as we saw that offense was, yeah. Well, well, we're just teasing this stuff. I promise we will get into into all of that as we move on. But, yeah, definitely, you know, for the Bills side, their offense was very quiet as well in this one. Again, they just put up the 10 points. The pick six really is what gets it to 17 and kind of closes out the game. Diggs continues to be amazing, though. Uh, the only time that he was held to less than six catches was uh, week three of this year. So that just shows the the great chemistry and connection he's had with Allen, and we saw it again in this one. Again, the defense holds as well. Uh, they've got a huge matchup now going up this week against the Chiefs, uh, kind of the matchup everybody – most everybody I'll say I was not hoping for, but most everybody was hoping for and definitely going to be fun. Allen versus Mahomes, both these dynamic quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Mahomes is going to be just fine, but that's just me. And the, the, the wording on what happened to him makes a lot of sense. So I think he's going to be fine. Is it, they're saying now it's not a concussion, uh, but uh, you know, all in all, I thought the bills looked amazing. We're fantastic. Uh, definitely going to have a tough match ahead of them on the road, though. Not much of a, you know, big advantage for the Chiefs. They're allowed to have fans in there, but not a huge advantage to them. But uh, overall, your thoughts on the Bills and, and their big game and big win on Saturday? Yeah, they played really well. You know, a team that hasn't won a playoff game since the mid-90s, getting going out there, getting their first two, getting a win at home in front of the Bills Mafia. You know, it's really nice, especially since they didn't get to see them in person a lot of this season. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a... Big one. I have to, to be honest, going into the playoffs, I thought the Bills were the team that had the best chance to potentially unseat Kansas City, and obviously they're the last one that will get that shot. I think they can do it. Uh, we need to see that defense come out and play hard and be able to uh, contain a dynamic offense. Fortunately, 
the Bills' pass defense is probably the best part of their defense, and that's the the you know matchup wise, the teams actually feel a little bit similar. They have better pass defense than rush defense, both of them, and they they neither of them have much of a run game to speak of, which is ironic considering what you tend to think of with Buffalo. Um, so I think it's going to be a really good matchup. It's the late, uh, the late one on uh, Sunday, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I obviously would have preferred a different matchup, but uh, it's definitely going to be a fun one. I think they're the night game, so they're going to be the last game of really the NFL season going into the Super Bowl. It's definitely going to be a fun game. Uh, I think both those teams match up really well against each other, so going to be a lot of fun. I will say really quick on the Bills side of things, their fans continue to be one of the best fan bases um, in the NFL. For those of you who haven't seen it, after Lamar got knocked out with a concussion, first of all, major props to Lamar for going over and signing a bunch of autographs for Bills fans because after losing a game like that, I can't imagine that's easy to do. As much as not trying to say Lamar doesn't like fans, and most NFL players will be good to the fans, but it's not easy to take a loss like that, I'm sure. Uh, so for him to still go over there tr- when the plane's getting ready to leave from the airport to go over and still do stuff for the fans, again, just speaks to the high, his high character. Lamar is amazing. Uh, but then for the Buffalo Bills fans, after seeing him get the concussion to go and raise $290,000 for Lamar Jackson's uh, Louisville tra- uh, not tragedy charity uh, is just amazing. They, we saw them do this a couple years ago for Andy Dalton when Andy Dalton got him into the playoffs. They did that earlier this year for Josh Allen. Uh, for the hospital that his grandmother yeah. liked to support uh, when she passed away, and they actually named an entire pediatric wing at the hospital after Josh Allen's grandmother. You know, not trying to say that any other fan base isn't as great, but just seeing the Bills Mafia do this now throughout the past couple of years is really good. So kudos to you because that that is amazing for continuing to to donate for charity for these players when realistically, I, I, I hate to put it, has no effect on your life in the long run, regardless of what happens. And for them to continue to do stuff like this is, is amazing. So I just wanted to throw that out there. If you're part of Bill's Mafia uh, and you did that, just kudos to you. That is really, really cool and really, uh, really awesome. All right, so the early Sunday game, uh, the Chiefs end up beating the Browns 22-17. Uh, I'm going to start with KC's side here first. So Mahomes... 255 and two touchdowns leaves what was with diagnosed with the concussion during the game. So if you guys do not follow her, um, I can't, I probably won't be able to find the exact tweet. I probably should have looked for that before I did this, but I, I follow a Stephanie Smalls at Steffi Smalls. Uh, she's part of join circle uh, does a lot of different podcasts. She's a really good, she's a, she's a nurse. Uh, and she does a really good breaking down like injuries and stuff when it comes to the NFL. Does great articles, does a ton of different podcasts. And so she actually brought this up when it happened. And she said that she did not think it was your typical concussion because of the way his, his head whipped forward when Mac Wilson was bringing him down to the ground. If you watch, his head doesn't make any kind of hard contact with someone. And I, I can't remember and I can't find the tweet. She tweets a lot. So I was trying to find it, but it's like some kind of, Culpa Kua thing or something. It's where the it's almost like the carotid artery artery gets pinched in your neck and it's practically like getting choked out without getting choked out, which makes sense with the way Wilson unfortunately ended up grabbing him and bringing him to the ground. Because as if you read what the Chiefs say. Before even the fourth quarter started, he passed all the concussion tests. He looked so woozy because it was just like getting choked out. 
Uh, Jake Glazer apparently said this afterwards. I'm not going to lie. I missed a lot of the post-game stuff. We'll get to it. I, I, I did not take the loss yesterday very well. Uh, but but that is what all the word is now, that they came out and said that that's what it was. Um, so he does not have a concussion, which I think means he's going to be perfectly fine because there's real no – even if he is in concussion protocol, if you don't have a concussion, you should be able to pass through concussion protocol. That's obviously good news for them. Props to Chad Henney. He obviously made a couple huge plays in this game to keep the Chiefs in it and winning, including a a 13-yard run on third and 14 to get it to fourth and one. Andy Reid with the, you know, major ballsy call. Um, I thought perfectly executed as well. You know, people want to say he took a lot of balls to do that. If you listen to Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and I think if you listen to every Browns fan right there, they were all saying the same thing. They're not going for it. Don't move. They're trying to call you offsides. Then maybe they'll go for it after they run the clock down, but they're not going for it. And then what happens? You get down to about 15 seconds when nobody's expecting you to cut. And then Henny calls Hutt, throws it to Tyreek Hill, who's wide open because the Browns were not expecting a play, gets the first down, ball game. Congrats to Chad Henney. Congrats to the Chief. Uh, you know, they they looked good. Uh, we'll, we'll take it two sides just in case Mahomes doesn't make it. How good do you think this team stacks up without Mahomes? And how excited are you, obviously, for this matchup if Mahomes is there? I mean, I think they're still a good team without Mahomes, but I don't think they win the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chad Henney is, is a good and fine backup. Part of what helps him when he comes into that game is the Browns didn't spend all week preparing to face Chad Henney. Uh, Buffalo's going to be prepared in case they have to face him. And a lot of the magic for the Chiefs is things that Mahomes is able to do because he's uniquely gifted. You still have Kelsey. You still have Tra- you know, Tyreek Hill. I don't think it's a blowout, um, but I'm, I do don't have a lot of confidence they win if Mahomes doesn't get to play. If he does get to play, I think it's going to be a great game. You would still say the Chiefs uh, should be rightly favored. They finished with the best record there at home. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a pretty exceptional matchup. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely setting up to be a phenomenal matchup. Obviously, I do want to say, and then people may take this as a Browns homer call, I've watched Mac Wilson play for two years, guys. He's not dirty. I know. I feel like Kelsey was just trying to defend Mahomes, and that's what you do. You defend your brother in arms and probably one of his better friends on the team. Mac Wilson is not a dirty player, guys. So let's let's calm down on that. It, there was nothing wrong with the tackle either. He was trying to stop Mahomes from getting a first down. He didn't go head to head with him. He tried. If you watch the tackle, he had him wrapped up around the shoulders before it fell down into his neck. I promise you, Mac Wilson did not mean to hurt Patrick Mahomes at all. So the death threats and all that crap, can we just stop, people? I mean, I, I hate that crap. And I'm going to be honest, Mahomes' mom didn't help the situation with the, the crap she's saying either. I understand they're trying; she's trying to protect her son, but guys, come on. It, it was not a dirty I, at all. I didn't think it was a dirty play either. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I so he I definitely just, didn't make helmet-to-helmet contact. He hit him yeah, around the no. shoulder. And he didn't even hit him in the head with his arm. No, when you're flying by with, you know, with how fast we get, they slow that down a lot in yeah. replay. But when you're flying along, it's not like he was trying to. I don't think he was aiming to grab him by the neck. When you're flying by somebody, you're holding on with whatever you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you watch it, when he hits him first, because it's bang, bang. Like, they're it was literally more trying to stop him first. Yeah. Else. 
And I think it's because Mahomes got hit before Wilson got to him as well, but he hits him in the shoulder pads first, and then his arm falls into his head, and that's when you see the snapping motion. And I think that's what obviously caused the injury. But it, like you said, it was not head-to-head. It wasn't even shoulder-to-head. Like, it's just his arm falling down onto his neck area. So, yeah. Again, I didn't see what Kelsey said, but I heard a lot of people saying that Kelsey called it a dirty play and he should be fine. And then I saw what what Patrick Mahomes' mom said, which I, I guess I kind of get. She's defending her son. I probably would say the same thing if it was my kid because you don't want to see that happen to your kid. But I just I want to say out there for those of you who listen, and again, you could say it's brown biased homers and whatever. I'm not the biggest fan of Mac Mac Wilson, but it was not a it was not a dirty hit at all, in my opinion. Uh, on the Brown side here, so Baker, I thought was phenomenal. He made one mistake in that game, and and I can't even say that it cost him uh, because realistically, and there are no points from that. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll get to the defensive side of here, but I do not think that cost him at all. Baker, I thought outplayed Mahomes for the most part in this game. When you look at the throws that Baker had to make with defenders all over his wide receivers, compared to this defense, just not adjusting at all to what Mahomes and this offense were doing. Mahomes was hitting guys wide open the entire game. Now, I'm not trying to say Baker's better than Mahomes, uh, but in this well, game, I thought Henny, Baker played better. Henny had a couple of dimes to both yeah. Hill and Kelsey, you know, that he had at least one that went right down Broadway that uh, Kelsey wide open. And the guy, all the yeah. guy did was lead the AFC uh, in receiving until. Yeah. The last oh, yeah. Week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got a phenomenal team around him, too. So, But Baker, I thought, was amazing. I'm not putting this loss anywhere close to being on him. Uh, Chubb struggled early, had a really big third quarter, didn't get much going in the fourth quarter, though some of that was he was not on the field a lot in the fourth quarter. They really relied on Hunt, uh, which they've done all year. They've really put Hunt in in the fourth quarter to kind of let him kind of come in and be that closer with the fresh leg. So it was a good season for the Browns. Uh, they do come up short in this one. I'll let you go first because, or I'll I'll go first so that you can kind of, I guess, tell me what you think about this. Um, you know, my my thoughts on them next year in Odell. I'm going to save the Odell talk for later in the year. Um, but the more and more I've thought about it, um, they're going to pay Odell and Landry both about 14 million next year. And I love Jarvis Landry, but if I have to choose one or the other, I would keep Odell and let Landry go. And I say that in the fact of if you watched the game yesterday, Landry had 15 catches for, I believe, 22 yards and a touchdown. I love what Landry does. That dude has completely changed this franchise. The franchise has completely started to turn since he came over in that trade from from John Dorsey. I love Landry. I love his attitude. But Rashard Higgins is the same player as Jarvis Landry and at many times this year looked like the better player on the field than Jarvis Landry. On top of that, they are both slot wide receivers playing the same area of the field as the tight ends, which we have three really good tight ends and Austin Hooper, David Njoku, who's been phenomenal in the second half of the season and Harrison Bryant. So I think Higgins can step up. I don't blame Higgins for the touchdown. Um, Stefanski did come out in an interview after the game and said that they do coach their guys not to reach for the end zone in those type of plays because of what happened. I will say that when you watch the replay, it does not look like Higgins could tell at all that Sorensen was coming. I understand that it was helmet to helmet. My my comments on that are still the same. You cannot leave it up to the refs. R- refs miss calls every single game. Uh, as much I don't as that's think it was helmet to helmet, he hit him in the shoulder. No, it's no. helmet to helmet. 
It was. I, I completely disagree with you. I watched a bunch of then times. Then why did the NFL come out today and say that he's not going to be suspended for the hit, but it's being reviewed for the fine? Because they consider it targeting when you lower the crown of your helmet and use it at in an attacking well, position. We're going to disagree on that. I watched I watched about 12 angles yesterday during the game and after, and he connects with his helmet before he hits him anywhere else. But regardless, it, 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 whether it was a foul or wasn't, in your opinion, I thought it was a foul. The Everybody on the broadcasting team thought it was a foul, and Romo and Nance, I, it doesn't matter. Okay, Romo's the worst announcer in the history of time, so please don't use well, him to justify I, I, I somewhat, I, I somewhat disagree on that part as well. But whether okay, whether you agree it was a foul or not, I can't and I will not leave the game up into the hands of the referees. That is, uh, you know, refs miss calls every single game. You cannot put it in the refs' hands. Uh, so I, I'm not going to go about that far, and I'm not going to blame Higgins on on fumbling it. He was trying to make a play. He did not see Sorensen coming in. It, it was unfortunate, but it happens. It is what it is. For for my thought on the Browns, while it was a good season, and I am happy with the way the season went, and I probably should be happier about it because, in retrospect, I actually picked this exact scenario. When we did our picks, I had the Browns losing in this game to the Chiefs, and I had the Chiefs going on to play Baltimore to go into the Super Bowl. And I should be happy with it. My biggest thing is you finally had a chance. They held Patrick Mahomes in this offense to 19 points before Mahomes got knocked out. They had stopped them multiple times in the red zone, keeping them from scoring, and the Browns just couldn't get it done. This was one of those games where you really had the chance to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, so I think you're going to be here for a long time coming. And realistically, we've seen very good teams uh, in the AFC, NFC, NFL altogether get to this point in the season and say, you know what, it's all right, it was a tough loss, but we'll be back and never get back. I think this was the Browns' best shot to beat the Chiefs, and they didn't get it done. I understand they've got a great core. Love the coach. Love the the culture that they're building in Cleveland right now. But you cannot tell me right now that there's a guarantee they will ever get back to this point or ever be better because we've seen multiple times throughout the years that we thought the Browns were going to be better or almost made the playoffs or made the playoffs and was like, hey, they'll get back here next year and then did it and have it. So I, I am excited about what's to come, and maybe my mindset will change on that the further and further we get away from the game. But most of all, I'm just disappointed that with everything going on, they couldn't take advantage of this game. They could not stop Chad Henney uh, on defense to, to kind of slow and, and close this game out. That That's where I lean right now more than anything out is, is honestly more disappointed than excited for what's to come. So setting aside the, the penalty, what do you think about the rule about the touchback? Because that seemed like that was a, hu- a much bigger piece of the discussion. I know it's been a rule for a long time. Yeah. I get it and I don't at the same time because any other time the ball goes out the back of the end zone, kicks, punts, anything, it is a touchback. Uh, So I I get it. My biggest thing is everybody keeps bringing out when the ball goes out at the one-yard line, the defense doesn't get it. Yeah, you're right, but it also doesn't make sense for the – for the offense to just get the ball to the one yard line if they fumble it out the end zone either. Like I, I don't understand what it's been a rule for a long time. And I brought up what Stefanski said, because this is something Bill Belichick has talked about many years in new England. And if you pay attention why nobody stretches for the goal line like that in new England, because it is a thing that is coached on a daily basis in new England, you don't reach for the goal line. And Stefanski said it 
We do the same thing here. We coach our players not to do that because of that rule. And, and he even said it. He's like, I'm not going to blame Higgy for what happened. He's a competitor. He was reaching for the goal I line. I feel like it's instinctive. At some, it at is some insta- instinctive. And that's all the Browns fans who were hating on him. I, I said the same. Like you, if you watch the replay, regardless of what you think of the hit, the way Higgins' head is turned, he there's no way he can see Sorensen coming. He's leaning that way, diving toward the end zone. So he was when you get one inch zone. further and it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown, uh, exactly. Or if he just holds on to it for half a second and breaks the plane before he fumbles, it's a touchdown. So I'm not blaming Higgins either. It was just a bad break, and we've unfortunately seen that happen, not well, just for Cleveland, for a lot of teams. So I don't like the rule, but I don't see it changing because this has happened in the playoffs before. It's happened other times with Calvin Johnson, among many others. So it's one of those things where you just have to live with it. So I honestly, as much as it sucks and it killed my team, I'm going to be one of the people who says, I hate the rule, but it's been there forever. They're not going to change it, so you have to deal with it. What feels like a little bit of a rule inconsistency to me is everywhere else in the field, if you fumble the ball and it went, rolled forward a few yards and went out of bounds, they return it to where you fumbled because you're not allowed to fumble forward. And I would almost say that that it would be a case of fumbling the ball forward. Yeah. Uh, so it feels a little inconsistent. It is definitely one of the harshest rules. I remember in a playoff game uh, where Denver was playing uh, t- Tom Brady, the one that where Brady lost his first playoff game. Champ Bailey made an interception and was going all the way down and very nearly got it knocked out the back of the end zone. I thought it was going to go from being almost a sure scoring play to right. a turnover. So it, it does feel it does feel a little bit brutal. Um, it's interesting. I'm also interested, you, you know, you watch your team a lot more, The what you said about – Landry and Beckham, because it felt like from the perspective of watching them down the season that this team got a lot better when OBJ got knocked out. And I feel like Landry played a lot better uh, on the outside on the season before uh, OBJ came there, too. If you, you know, I don't disagree that Higgins might be a better slot option. I just like Landry. I like his heart. I have not yeah. seen OBJ do anything that made me want to stand up for that guy in the last five years. And I thought Cleveland looked a heck of a lot better down the stretch. So it, it could just be obviously coach talk, players talk, sticking up for their guy because they all like Odell, obviously, especially Landry, their best friends. But if you read the interviews and listen to what they've said, they've all said that the offense is not better because Odell is not there. And I truly do believe that. I think the biggest thing was, and, and Baker's talked about this, and so is Stefanski. When Odell's there, they never game plan to force feed him the ball. But he is one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. And, and, I will continue to say if you I am not a big fan of of Mary Kay Cabot, uh the the reporter for the Browns. I think she's for ESPN or she, Yeah, she she she's very big for the she's wrote some very interesting stuff on people that I don't always agree with. She's been very critical of a lot of people that I don't always agree with. A lot of the stuff she's written, if you go back, especially parts of this year, talks about how big Odell was for them as a leader last year when this team was completely falling apart. And that, to me, speaks volumes. He was the one. I read an article recently. She may have been put it out two or three weeks ago, where he was the one who was trying to repair the relationship between Baker and Todd Munkin. 
because Munkin was having issues. He was calling out Baker in front of all these people, all this stuff. Now, I don't think it was all just Munkin. Obviously, Munkin and Freddie Kitchens had their thing going on. Freddie had his own stuff going on. But Odell was in there always trying to be the peacemaker. But yet he gets blamed for everything because he's not happy on the sideline when he's not getting the ball. And he's even come out, and before this season, when he was not having a great season, said, all I care about is winning. I don't care about my stats. Do I think I'm one of the best wide receivers in the league? Yes, but I'm here to win. And then people take that and say, oh, see, all he cares about is stats. He literally just told you he doesn't care about his stats. My biggest thing with, with that was, regardless of everything that happened, I think Baker, after the year he had with Freddie, I don't want to say he wasn't sure of himself, but I think it was one of those things where he wa- he was he was forcing Odell the ball whether he needed to or not. And and my biggest thing with Odell coming back into this offense, I think, is Baker's now proven he's the guy this year. He can do it without Odell being there, without that true alpha. Because I love Landry. He's not an alpha wide receiver. Now, when Odell comes back, I honestly think he can fit into this offense and they will take their shots to him when they can. It will not be – I don't think Baker will feel the need to force the ball to him because Baker's proven what he can do without Odell being there. What my issue is with Jarvis, and I don't want them to get rid of Jarvis, I will say that, but I do. There's a lot of rumblings that obviously both those guys are on the salary for 14 million, and they can get out from under Jarvis this year by just cutting him at a certain point. So I, I don't want them to cut Jarvis. I don't want them to trade Jarvis. I agree with you. I love Landry. What he's done for this team since he's come over has been amazing. But what Landry doesn't do is give you a field stretcher that Beckham does. What what Landry doesn't do is cause defenses to plan for you, which Odell does. We saw him. He won them the game against the Cowboys. I mean, that play, that reverse that he takes where he broke that, that tackle in the backfield and then took it for 60 yards, Landry cannot do that. I'm sorry. He just can't. And and that's my biggest issue. If you watch, I, I was re-watching parts of the Chiefs game this morning uh, while sitting at work. I was watching stuff that happened in the third and fourth quarter. Their defense was playing tied up to the line. Why? Because nobody's going to beat you. Like, I love DPJ. He doesn't have the speed to beat you. I love Rashard Higgins. Doesn't have the speed to beat you. So if you go and watch, everybody was kind of getting frustrated with, why is Baker making all these short throws? That's all they had. Nobody was getting deep. And I think even if Odell doesn't put up those elite numbers, he has that respect. And you're going to have players who are going to go with him. And at times, you're going to have that safety over the top fade over Beckham to help with that coverage, which is then going to open up someone else. My my thing with Higgins, and I think if they were to let Landry go, we've seen the great chemistry between Baker and Higgins. And I think Higgins has played phenomenal at times. And I think Higgins could fill in in that Landry spot. Beckham gives you a piece of that offense that you don't have right now. And if they let Beckham go, I'm fine with that. There's those guys and in the it, draft that they Isn't right Higgins a uh, free agent? He is a free agent, yes. But I also think – bring him back. If you bring him back, you're going to get him cheaper than what you have Landry on. For he's, They've got Landry for two more years, and it's $14 million the next two years. That's a lot of money to pay a receiver, especially with Baker. They can pick up his fifth-year option, but then you have to pay him the year after that. Chubb is about to be a free agent. Denzel Ward is about to be a free agent. They need a lot of help on defense. So you're going to have to start making these, these tough salary cap decisions because while they're sitting at fifth in, in salary cap right now, if you want to keep quick. Chubb, if you want to keep Baker, if you want to keep Ward, that salary has going to disappear really quick. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things where you've got to make like those that's tough what decisions. happens to the Rams. They had a lot of yeah. great young talent, and they hit that point where they had to start making decisions, and that's where. Yep, 
So that that's that's where I'm with it as well. It's going to be tough. You have to make that decision. I would lean Baker because he gives them something in the offense they don't currently have and I don't think Landry can do for them that I think Higgins can. And trust me, Landry is still a better player than Higgins, but I think we've seen it in the back half of the season, really since their rookie season. This is what I was talking with someone about this or earlier this week, or yesterday, I'm sorry, earlier today. Higgins and Baker have had that chemistry since their rookie season, since Baker's rookie season. We saw it last year at times when Freddie allowed him to play. And then when they brought him back, we've seen it this year. Those two just have a great chemistry together. And I think that he could easily play that slot role. I think DPJ will be perfectly fine opposite of Odell. I agree Landry's played good on the outsides, but Donovan Peoples-Jones has been amazing on the outside as well. And again, Beckham yeah. gives him that field stretcher. If they let he Beckham a, go, go ahead. DPJ had a great catch. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, perfect, perfect throw, perfect catch yesterday. And we saw that multiple times throughout this year. He had that dime and DPJ perfect catch to Cincinnati to win that game in the corner of the end zone, which if they don't win that game, they don't make the playoffs. So there's the DPJ has made a lot of great plays this year. And if they don't bring back Odell, I'd be fine with it as long as they get that field stretcher in the draft. And there's a couple guys there that they might be able to get. But I think right now, if you have to pick between the two and they don't address that in the draft, for me, I would rather have Odell because I think he brings a different dynamic to this offense that they don't currently have. So that's – we spent a lot of time on the Browns there. So, I, don't, I, I mean, uh, do you have anything else you want to add or are we good to go? No? All right, cool. So the Buccaneers and the Saints were the late game yesterday. Uh, the Bucs win 30-20. Brady throws for two touchdowns. QB sneaks one. Brady back in a championship game for the 14th time, the first time in the NFC, though. Uh, what are you expecting from him going up against the Packers? As we talked about, they they – Defeat just destroyed the Packers earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, he brings a lot of experience. Last year at this time, it seemed like Brady had fallen off, maybe physically, and I think we've seen throughout this year that that has to be the team that they put around him, maybe the situation they put around him, because he's looked pretty good out there uh, firing the ball. Uh, Ronald Jones, I thought, looked good uh, yesterday, too, um, getting healthier. They have basically two running backs that they can wheel out there. The elements, the stage, nothing's going to be too big for Brady. Nothing's going to be too big for Gronkowski. Uh, Arians has, you know, played in some, uh, you know, has coached in some of those big games. So even though the team as a whole doesn't have all that experience, we forget about Antonio Brown, or I tend to forget about Antonio Brown. They have some pieces that have uh, that experience that I think is going to help them. Uh, you know, even JPP played playoff games with the Giants before uh, he got firework happy and moved around. So, you know, I think they have the. Ex- they have enough experience. The game's not going to be too big for them. It probably is a marquee matchup that a lot of people wanted to see. It's Brady. It's Rodgers. It's a lot of weapons on, on all sides. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, I, I've right now very early on, my immediate thoughts on it would be to lean more toward the Packers because we saw the Saints give them a little bit of trouble uh, last night, and I think the it's fair to say the Packers' offense is much better, at least with the quarterback slinging the ball, uh, than what the Saints have. And, and, you know, I've been saying for the past couple weeks that I don't think the Buccaneers' defense is as good as they have, that everybody else has been saying it is because of the teams they played down the stretch. I think they still clearly have some good holds, very good, very big holes. Um, I don't think their secondary is as good, though. Their secondary did step up last night, but they're going up against a quarterback-receiver combo that is, um, you know, 
probably as hot as ever and probably the hottest duo in the league right now, maybe rivaled by Allen and Diggs. So definitely right now, I think is going to be a really fun matchup. I think both matchups are going to be amazing. We're, we're in for a great, great Sunday of football uh, next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun, but you know, I, I will say I am happy for, uh, for Brady. I, I was thinking about this the other day and I almost kind of wanted to compare him to, LeBron in the fact that obviously both are considered the greatest of all time in their sports. And a lot of people are, are, are really, which something we can dive in deeper to. And I definitely want to with you and Dennis, but I'm not so sure that I'm all in on the, it was definitely Brady, not bill debate because he's taken a star studded Tampa Bay Buccaneers d- team. I mean, it was a combination and, of both of them. I think what yeah, this season well, I more just, points out is, Brady yeah. wasn't completely reliant on having a good coach. Oh, yeah, and, and I don't think any of us thought that either. We all, I think, have said that we thought it was a, it was a, a definitely a degree of both. I just think it, maybe it's because a lot of these people are Brady lovers, and, and no, nothing against that. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. I still say Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, but Brady's got six rings, so you can't really argue with that. But I just saw a lot of that yesterday that, well, that settles the debate. Bill couldn't even make the playoffs, and Brady's about to go to a Super Bowl. I'm like... I mean, when you leave a, a New England team that me and you probably could have made the third and fourth wide receiver on that team with the talent they had around there and go to a star-studded Tampa Bay team, let's pump the brakes a little bit on it was yeah. all Brady. Like, But that's definitely a conversation we can have in the offseason. As for the Saints, uh, you know, Drew Brees struggled mightily in this one, just has not looked the same. I honestly don't think it's the age – he has not looked the same since the ribs. And as someone who has suffered broken ribs, it's it's hard to do much of anything. I don't think he's he's clearly would, not been the same guy. Go ahead. I would go further back and say he started uh, to struggle at the tail end of the previous season when he came back from Jack Dumpin's thumb. Yeah. You know, there were I, – I told a friend when I was watching the game, I love Drew Brees and the Saints, you know, I've, I've – Pick them for the Super Bowl the last three years, probably just because of that, you know, blind love. But he reminded me a little bit of uh, Peyton Manning uh, in that Super Bowl 50 year. Yeah. And Peyton Manning was still Peyton Manning. He was still a sharp guy. He could still make a few plays just because he knew what was coming where and, and he could use that experience. But physically, he had declined I and mean, he was not the same passer and he was not this and that's why it scared me when they were on offense because I didn't know what to expect and I felt that a lot down the stretch with Breeze and the Saints you know he's still a smart guy he's still the guy that that broke a ton of passing records he's still a great thinker but physically it just didn't seem like it was all there and you never knew what you were going to expect from the Saints and I know Dennis loves to make jokes about only being able to throw five yard slants, but may not be that far off the, you know, they were talking about it. The only real deep ball they attempted in that game, they put Jameis Winston in and you could say it's because it was a, a trick play, but also I not sure breeze is able to sell that play as either a potential receiver on the outside or as, as flinging at 50 yards down the field. He just not quite the same player. And I think we, he knew, Um, you know, I think he's been moving toward retiring. I'm at the point now where I would be shocked if he didn't retire and would be a little disappointed. I think what we saw last night, soaking up every moment, the way he left the field, hanging on the field afterward, playing with his kids, with his wife. Uh, I thought 
whether you like Tom Brady as a player or not, this is two weeks in a row where he's gone out of his way to find the opposing quarterback and and to espouse his respect. You know, sure he forgot he was mic'd up or wasn't trying to make a public statement when he went to find Alex Smith and told him how proud you know that he was of him and what he had done. And you know, obviously last night going making a point to to be with Breeze and his family, chucking the ball with his kids. You know, I I thought that was that was a really great moment. Yeah. I, I, you know, I said it when we talked about it beforehand earlier in the off season, uh, we talked about, do we think he was going to return? Cause he technically signed to be able to come back for another year. And I, I said, I just thought he was going to be done. I, I've been saying that all mm-hmm. along and I'm going to stay with it. You know, obviously we saw the Jay Glazer report yesterday saying that, Hey, you know, there, the report is that he is going to retire after, to, after this postseason, mm-hmm. And then he came out after being asked about it, said, well, I'm going to take some time and reflect on it. You know, the Saints have come out and pretty publicly said, hey, we're, we're all for whatever he decides to do. If he wants to come back, we'll have him. If he wants to retire, we understand that. You know, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, I, you know, I hate to see him go out like that because he's one of the greats. I'd love to see him get one more shot. At least I don't know if they had have beaten the Packers, if they beat the Bucks here. Um, and I definitely don't think they beat the Bills or the Chiefs if, in the Super Bowl. But I'd love to see him get one more shot because you never know. That's why they play the game. Nobody thought the, the Browns would have been 22-17 of all scores against the Chiefs yesterday. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's They could have pulled off a, a massive upset, but it did suck to kind of see him go out um, like that. So some of the coaching news before we get out of here, we've had pretty much all of the openings filled. We've got two spots all still left. desirable openings. <laughs> that, that is probably the best way to put it. Uh, so for the Jaguars, we saw Urban Meyer go there. Me and Dennis talked a little bit about this on Fridays. That kind of came out, or it was pretty much rumored Thursday to be done. Got finalized on Friday. You know, I don't hate it in the perspective of what I saw in his press conference on Friday, the biggest thing I said on Thursday was I hope he brings in an offensive coordinator because they cannot run his offense that he ran in college. He said they're not going to do that. So major props to Urban Meyer. I do think he is a leader of men and a great CEO of a football team, which is what he's saying he's going to be. So I actually think this could be a great spot for him in Jacksonville. They've got a ton of talent around him. He knows how to motivate players. Uh, I, as long as they bring in a good, I know, I believe he's interviewing Scott Linehan. That's kind of the talks of who he wants to bring in. I don't know if that's going to be a great fit. I'm not that big a fan of Scott Linehan, but whatever. He's going to come in and run that offense. Uh, overall, I think it's a good hire for them. They've got a lot of talent. I actually would not be surprised if he's able to turn them into a winning team next year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Meyer and the Jags? I think he's a great college coach. Uh, you know, I like him there. I don't like the hire. I think this is saving going to the Dolphins. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who are who are very skeptical on it. Like I said, for me, it's more of a – if he was co- if he was going to be calling plays, I wouldn't a hundred percent agree with you right now. But I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does with him being a because he is like I said, someone who has watched what he did at Ohio State. He's a master motivator and he is very good when it comes to recruiting. And I do think that he'll be able to recruit some very big free agents down there. Number one, it's not hard to get people to come to Florida anyways, but if you can convince people that you're turning it around, getting Trevor Lawrence, I think is a huge step as well. They're getting one of the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck. But even as a college coach, he tends to burn bright and burn out pretty quick. Oh yeah. But would, and I don't, 
that the professional ranks lend themselves as greatly to that. So, so uh, you yeah. come in and you end up five and eleven or six and ten next year, which I think is more than likely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't think they're going to fire him after one year. The one thing I will say about, no, about him. Will he, want, will he want to continue? I mean, Saban didn't get fired. He he found a, an exit ramp. Spurrier hung around to get fired. I think sometimes yeah. those great college coaches, part of what makes them great is the is that it's a different situation and the all-consuming control. I think that's why Mike Krzyzewski's never been huge about trying to go to the NBA. There are some people that are great in the environment and the constraints in which college provides, and I feel like that's a better fit for Urban Meyer than going so to the NFL. The reason why I'll I'll somewhat disagree with you on that is Urban Meyer, the reason he stepped away multiple times um, was because his health issues comes down to recruiting. Recruiting is 365 days a year in college. You always have to be talking to recruits, trying to, especially when you're at a Florida the way they were. And then what he turned Ohio State into, because a lot of people don't may not realize Ohio State was not what it was right now, what it is right now. Before Urban Meyer got there, we stood no chance in national championships. We were playing for like Rose Bowls. Yes, we were not making the BCS championships before the playoffs came. And then he took us to a playoffs that first year. Urban Meyer has consistently talked about the biggest thing for him was recruiting. It it just wore him out, always having to be there. And I will also say, as being as close as I am to Ohio State, Urban wasn't that great of a recruiter. And and he's talked about that that Pantone was the one who brought in guys like Zeke and these other – because Urban did not want Zeke. Urban wanted to go with another running back. Pantone was the one who said, no, Zeke's the guy we have to go get. And then he recruited him to come there. You don't have to recruit like that at the NFL level. You just have to be a smart – uh, football mind, which I do think Urban is. Uh, the other thing I'll compare him to is we've seen success out of Pete Carroll, uh, and I don't want to compare those two, but Pete Carroll has done a very good job since because of how competitive he is. But I will say is we've got Chip Kelly and, and Jim Harbaugh, who both had great quick success, like you talked about, burned bright and then faded quickly, right? That supernova thing. I do think with the team that Jacksonville kind of has right now, and again, getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I think will allow Urban to possibly just do that. He might be able to burn bright and then burn out. But if you're telling me right now, if you're Jacksonville, with some of the team you have around him, if say he's able to hit enough on the draft, recruit just enough free agents that they get into another AFC championship game and possibly not maybe win a Super Bowl, but get to a Super Bowl, you wouldn't take that before he's fired. I I think that that's – successful do i think he's going to be pete carroll probably not pete carroll's had that sustained success we haven't really seen out of college coaches but i I do believe urban is a little bit different than some of these other guys i don't think he's a saban where saban i think it was one of those things where if saban got drew Brees, maybe saban's still in the nfl but he didn't think Brees was going to or no i'm sorry saban has consistently said that he wanted breeze his medical team said that breeze's shoulder could not recover from the surgery if Breeze ends up going to Miami, maybe Miami has Saban, such a great medical team. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my point. It's like maybe Saban's still in the NFL. So it's, well, I'm, it's not, I'm not saying I think it's a bad swing. Jacksonville needs something to yeah. gen up some excitement. You know, Trevor Trevor Lawrence having the number one pick is great, but you need something to you know yeah. to boost that organization as as a whole. It made sense why they would go out to get him. I'm just not sold that that's a successful move. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, obviously, that's the one of the things we get to, I guess, sit here and watch play out is, is will this end up succeeding? Uh, so for me, I thought the knockout hire so far of all these is Robert Salah to the Jets. He was, uh, you know, I talked about him last year. He was the guy I wanted the Browns to get if they couldn't get Stefanski because I just I love all the talk about him and the way his his players talk about him. Other coaches, he is bringing over Mike Lafleur, who is part of that McVay Shanahan tree. Obviously, we've seen what his brother has done for Green Bay, so I think this could end up being a great hire for the Jets. Finally, um, yeah. a smart move for them going for a head coach. What What are your thoughts on on is it Salah or Saleh? I can't even remember how to say his last name. I think it's Salah. Or Salah. I mean, maybe it's Salah. I don't know. I, I'm horrible. Neither, with neither of us are going to declaim the uh, exact pronunciation. I like that hire. Uh, the Jets um, seemed like an organization in chaos a lot last year. Uh, you obviously had a lot of uh, defensive players who defected. That's going to be a side of the ball that needs a lot of work and needs uh, somebody that has a good eye. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what he can do. That's another place I think is more than a one year turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I will say I do like that they gave him a five-year contract. A lot of the talk was he came in there and said, look, I'm not going to be able to win in the next year, maybe two. I don't want to get fired right away because this is a rebuild. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how well that works out. But I do think that was a, a phenomenal hire by then. Uh, so Arthur Smith is going to the Falcons. Uh, you know, That one was confusing to me uh, because of it, you know, We'll see if he is directly involved in offense, but you would have thought defense is the area that the Falcons have the biggest issue. They don't have a great offensive line, but Smith is noted for being one of the most run-heavy coordinators and a very power-running game. They will have to remake that roster a lot to be a run-heavy team, and they're one of the teams that has is in salary cap hell. Yeah, but I do. The one thing I will say works for them is we've seen at least lately not a lot of running backs go in the first round. There's a couple guys at the top of this draft that I think could be good. The good thing for them is they're picking pretty high up, so they might be able to grab one of those guys early in the second round. I think you could build around a Najee Etienne or or Javante Williams even to be your lead back. But I agree with you. That's going to kind of be the thing is. Can they bring in a running back that can be that guy? Because Arthur Smith has shown that he builds his offensive game plan around the run. So that'll be the interesting thing for him. I mean, obviously he's got great weapons on the outside. And then what can he get out of Matt Ryan? Because he's been good and been really bad at times this year. Do you think the hire suggests that they're going to, I mean, we've looked, obviously Matt Ryan's contract is really prohibitive to get around, but you know, you would think a team with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, and Calvin Ridley is going to be geared toward passing, and we just haven't seen that exactly be an Arthur Smith thing. So I I just philosophically, I was like, that feels like a curious fit. Yeah, I agree with you. But, I mean, the Falcons have been doing some curious things for the past couple of years, so I'm not uh, – you know – the one thing I will say is, you know, they've seemed to still make Ryan Tannehill and, and A.J. Brown and even really Corey Davis this year, not only viable for fantasy, but really good in the NFL. You know, I love A.J. Brown, but if you're telling me A.J. Brown and Corey Davis or Julio and Calvin Ridley, give me Julio and Calvin Ridley. So th- he he should be able to. I think a lot of it's going to come down to that, that's what a little he easier can get out of Matt Ryan. Uh, the threat of Derrick Henry as opposed to the threat that, of, you know. That is very true. 
the Chargers bring in Brandon Staley. So we hinted at this earlier. The Ryan Dable was like the talk of already having the job pretty much. And then they bring in Brandon Staley. Um, I, I can't say that I think it's a bad hire for the Chargers because Brandon Staley has been getting a lot of great talk. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Wade Phillips is considered to be like a phenomenal defensive coordinator and did not have this defense playing the way Brandon Staley did this year. And, and they didn't add anybody. So Brandon Staley has really coached up this defense. The biggest thing for them will be what you mentioned with Dable and the, and Herbert, what Dable has been able to do for Allen. Who does Staley Stanley then bring in as, or Staley, I'm sorry, bring in as his offensive coordinator now, because that's going to be the massive hire for us. And I think that's where they were rumored that he was going to try to take the offensive coordinator from the Rams. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, over there with him. So I'd be curious to see if that happens. Um, you know, it could be, could be an interesting situation. I, I think that's a decent um, hire. Staley worked uh, with Denver's linebackers, worked with Fangio uh, before going over to uh, the Rams. Fangio spoke very highly of him. They have some incredible defensive pieces, and I would say that actually makes some sense to me in terms of having a better defense, maybe having better game management could have been the difference for that Chargers team between seven and nine and a 10 and six finish. Cause their offense was good enough and was putting up enough points. It seemed like they were in a lot of those games and you, you know, they have talent with, with Bosa, um, you know, getting some of those players back. If they can keep some of their secondary pieces uh, healthy, I think it's Derwin James is their safety. Who's gotten hurt two years in a row and kind of been, gone they have chris harris uh came over there um they have another corner that i'm forgetting but i i think he has some good pieces that could be interesting i'm with you though it it seemed like all throughout the hiring process they had interviewed a jason garrett they had interviewed adam Gase. they seemed to be locked in on brian dable that all suggested they were looking at investing in a coach who was going to get the most out of justin herbert it felt like a 180 flip at the end i don't i don't I think the hire could be great for them, yeah. but they definitely need somebody uh, on offense who can continue that because Herbert looked great last year. Would hate to see him, you know, take a step back because he gets put in the wrong system. Yeah. And I wonder if a lot of that is maybe they're sold on, on the Rams offensive coordinator being a good offensive coordinator. That's a lot of the talk, you know, when, when the Jets started zeroing in on Salah, a lot of the talk was, well, what are they going to do offensively? And it was pretty much widely known, hey, if he gets a job, he's bringing Mike LaFleur. And a lot of people think that's a great hire. So we'll see. He's learned under Sean McVay. And I think the one thing you can say is McVay, Shanahan, and the LaFleur brothers all have that connection of all learning offense together and everything they've done under uh, Kyle Shanahan's father uh, and and everything else. Those guys are all connected together. Those guys have all had really great offenses. So I I don't think you can go the wrong way if that's the kind of coaching tree you're pulling from right now. Uh, And then the last job uh, that got sewed up was – interesting one for me I'm, I'm kind of confused i honestly didn't even realize he interviewed for the job and that's dan campbell uh for the lions tight end coach uh, obviously there was a lot of talk about the he what was he the interim head coach of for a while versus was like half a season was it the saints? Uh, I know, I'm have to look him up i want to say it was the saints i know he was with the saints at one point but you know there a lot of people are saying he's a great leader of men and that's what detroit i think needs. it was miami Maybe it was Miami. You're right. It was Miami. 
So as a coach, yeah, he was. Let's see, Titans coach, interim head coach, 2015. Was that? So that had to be after. Uh, was that Gate? No, Gase didn't get fired in the season. No, it was did he? before. It was before Gase. It's because uh, he worked. He was at Texas A&M. Who was that? Uh, um, Texas A&M. Texas. Oh my goodness! Why is his name jumping out? No, uh, he's the one that took Tannehill because he had him in college. Uh, Joe Philbin. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is I do remember when that year happened, a lot of people were talking about Dan Campbell getting a head coaching position because of, I guess, the way he is, like I mentioned with Urban Meyer, a motivator of men. He's a great CEO, a great leader. Uh, and Dan Campbell's already come out. Obviously, he's not going to be calling plays or anything like that. It's an interesting hire. I'll put it that way. I can't say uh, it's a bad hire. Been- but- He's been assistant head coach that people that talked about him being the tight ends coach, which he is, but he was hired as the assistant head coach and tight ends coach for Sean Payton in 2016. So I'd say that would probably be the more under the radar yet impressive part would be that five years with Sean Payton's a great coach. Oh Uh, yeah, absolutely. You could learn, you could soak up a lot from that. I will agree with you though, that it felt like a way under the radar uh, you know, then they're like, yeah, it looks like they're going to hire him. And then seconds after the game, Dan Campbell's going to be the head coach in Detroit. And you're like, good luck, Matthew yeah. Stafford. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. I saw a lot of people when this first got reported that he's likely going to be the guy, as you mentioned, that literally gets signed on with them as soon as the game's over. It felt like, uh, that a lot of people think this is leaning toward Stafford's not going to be the guy, which is going to make great offseason content for us. We've mm-hmm. talked about many times. We think that they might move on from him and they have a top pick. They could get a new quarterback right away if they want to. Uh, regardless, I think for me right now, obviously you're looking at, are they going to bring Galladay back? You know, what are they going to do with that backfield? Peterson is gone, but you still got carry on for one more year. Swift on his rookie deal. Who they hire as offensive coordinator is going to be something I'm going to pay very close attention to because I think and that defense. could change. Well, I don't defensively. I don't care. I'm worried about offense for fantasy <sighs> defense, whatever. I don't think their defense is going to be very good anyway. So, but yeah, I mean, his hires are going to be intriguing to see. Dennis, I'm sure, is going to be paying very close attention to that with with his love for the Lions. Yeah. Uh, so the last well, bit of thing, oh, go ahead. And then that leaves just the two, which we talked about as being potentially the most undesirable openings in filling Houston. Houston, who knows what they're going to get at this point? Yeah. As now, it seems like they're for sure not going to be able to keep Deshaun Watson. But the Eagles, I'm sure you saw seem to be real close to closing in on uh, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, there was him and uh, they're interviewing, uh, who is it, B Enemy, I believe. And there was someone else that just got, um, who's the other one they're interviewing? Uh, B Enemy's interviewing with Houston. Todd Bowles uh, was doing Todd Bowles, that's who it is. Yeah, Todd Bowles. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. If I had my chick pick between the two, I'm going Eagles. They've got at least a little bit of talent on their roster and and draft picks. Uh, Houston's got – Well, it's interesting, too. Apparently, they've told coaches that, you know, you have to come in with a plan for what you're going to do with Carson Wentz because he's yeah. not going. Yeah. Which well, kind of tells you that that was the uh, breaking point with Peterson probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's all the rumors that he wanted to stick with Hurts. And it, it makes sense, though. If you go back and look at the very awkward video that the Eagles owner did with Carson Wentz when he signed that new deal and how much he's talked about Carson Wentz over the past couple of years, clearly the owner wants Wentz to be the guy. And he owns the team so he can do – whatever he wants so that'll be interesting i said we'll we'll discuss more on 
uh, Watson probably on Thursday so we can get Dennis on here as well and kind of talk about what we think on them. But it, it, it seems all signs are pointing to he's pretty much gone. So that's going to – the one thing I will say – oh, and there goes Matt. So the one thing I will say for Houston on that is – if they do move on from Deshaun Watson, that will be somewhat good for them because they will get to obviously get a bunch of draft picks. Uh, so with the draft picks, that will then allow them, if they say the Dolphins deal happens like they're talking about, you know that does get you Tua, who is a quarterback you can build around, and a bunch of draft picks to help you at least start to build a young core. But uh, overall, like, you know, I talked about it when we first brought up the rumors that I, I – it would be insane for me to trade a guy like Deshaun Watson because that's the kind of player you're looking for in the draft. But at this point, if he doesn't want to play for you and everything, I, I just I don't know what else you can do. Yeah, that's the part that seems seems like he he wants to get out. Sorry, I dropped out there for a second. Apparently, my internet decided to take a uh, siesta. But, All right, so, oh, go ahead. But yeah, it's Watson. It seems like Watson has kind of decided that he's over it, um, which is going to be interesting. I thought that was going to be a tough head coaching hire anyway, because they talk about not having a lot of assets and not having a lot of uh, upside. Um, Nick Casario has his work cut out for him even more now uh, that apparently he's not going to be able to keep his best asset. And the worst thing is I had suggested, I know you, you didn't like the idea. I had suggested perhaps they try to trade Watson to get max value because that was the only chip they had. Now you can't even get max value for a guy that everyone knows wants to leave. Yeah. All right. So that, that will do it for us today. We'll be back on Thursday with Dennis. We'll talk obviously any more NFL news. We'll go over all of our playoff challenges and we will talk about the two games on Sunday, possibly even kick Dennis off and do a little WandaVision talk as me and Matt have both watched the first episodes as well. So we'll, we'll have a nice fun episode for you guys on Thursday as we're getting obviously less and less football to talk about. Yeah. Game wise, so we're gonna have to talk about something. Either that or Dennis, listen to this. Wandavision, sixty-seven minutes total commitment for yeah, two it's episodes. Not long, at all. not long at all. The wife will probably you, That's definitely yeah, your my team wife likes it. growing up. So yeah, it, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. So we will see you guys again on Thursday and enjoy your weeks. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.